1: Hello, I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today I'm talking with filmmakers Sarah and Bobby Sheehan. Sarah Feldman Sheehan began her career in advertising, later moving to publishing, where she represented various publications such as Good Morning America, the weekend edition of the Today Show, and co-produced segments for Oprah. Currently, she's developing numerous film and television projects, including a television franchise with Chris Columbus and his 1492 productions and legendary pictures for an anthology series, the Mortal Film series with the pilot film Mortal already produced and the core hope and presence all in production. In addition, she has several documentary feature films, including Aris with a Twist, the docu-fantasy, what a great word, which premiered internationally at the Berlin Film Festival and domestically at the Tribeca Film Festival. See, distributed by IFC, narrative feature film came and went in conjunction with the Cayman Islands Board of Tourism. The television feature film, will Take Manhattan, with Kudos Films and an episode of the BBC-produced Doctor Who and Connections, a Chinese co-production, with iconic producer-director Stanley Kwan. For television, she produced the docuseries Motor City Rising for Ovation TV and the reality TV series Repo Men, Stealing for a Living, with host Vincent Pastore for TLC. She's also produced countless television commercials for major brands. Her directing career started with a series of short documentary pieces on healthcare for designer Donna Karen's philanthropic foundation, Urban Zen. Feldman Sheehan's documentary feature debut was Mr. Prince for Ovation, about the legendary Broadway director and producer, Hal Prince. Bobby Shan began his eclectic career in high school when he created fashion videos and print campaigns. While attending New York University's Tisch, Tisch School of the Arts, Sheehan captured the punk rock scene with his photos of The Clash, Ramones, Blondie, Ultravox, 999, Elvis Costello, Costello for publication, publications such as Circus Magazine, Cream Magazine, The Village Voice, Soho News, and New York Magazine. An early supporter of his work was the iconic artist, artist Andy Warhol. Sheehan's first foray into the feature world was the critically acclaimed Seed, and he later coined the phrase docu to describe their love letter to the arts, arias with a twist, the docu uh, and as I've already mentioned, that premiered at the Ber- Berlin Film Festival in Tribeca. In addition, he directed Listen to the World, a feature documentary about the first ever museum to house instruments from all over the world. I want to go there. And I The Wed, a short film for the United Nations featuring their goodwill ambassador, Giselle Bunchen, for World Environment Day. Sheehan wrote produced and directed the film came and went a narrative feature the talent collector which he wrote produced and directed for amc the reality series repo men starring vincent pastori for tlc and discovery networks the documentaries jeff koons beyond heaven about the controversial artist jeff koons and mr prince which tells the extraordinary story as i mentioned of how prince to date, Shan has directed over 500 commercials that include works for Adidas, American Express, Exxon Mobil, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Budweiser, Burger King, Crest, General Electric, Hyundai, Las Vegas Tourism, the list goes on and on. But of particular note, the American Cancer Society and the Special Olympics. Welcome, Sarah and Bobby. Thank you. Thank you. So glad to good. have you.
2: After that send-up,
1: I think we're done. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> we're done now, right? <laughs> Except we have to make the connection that uh, you, you've obviously had a lot of um, commercial success and now have committed to these films which are a harder sell about death and grief. And that's what brings you here today, of course. Yeah.
2: Yes. Yes. Um, but, um, go ahead. Go ahead. <clears throat>
1: Well, you know, what got my attention in your work was I encountered the film Mortal, uh, a couple of different directions. And of course, I heard you interviewed on Karen Wyatt's End of Life University. And um, it it captured me that you are not even just making one film about End of Life, but you have a whole series in mind. Um, Can you say how you got to that work? Maybe Sarah, you could you could take that question? Well, you know, it's,
3: you know, our our sort of, the the way we speak, our language is is film. And my beloved father um, was starting to decline, and um, he was really a father to Bobby as well. And Bobby's first instinct is to pick up a camera and start filming. And I was a little hesitant because it felt somehow, I don't know, private or something I didn't really want to share. But as we started filming and we met other people who are in the hospice and palliative care world, we realized that there was a real need for quality content in this space. And we started putting these stories together, and we realized this is something that, you know, really felt as if it was needed. It felt like it was, you know, good work to be doing and something we realized we wanted to explore further. And um, it's such a huge subject. And it's so rich and so dense that we realized the only way to do it justice was to do a series. And so Mortal is kind of the the pilot film of the series. And we are exploring other subjects in greater depth.
1: Which we will get to in a minute. But just in terms of Mortal itself, what I found um, quite compelling is that I've seen, I've, I've actually interviewed quite a few filmmakers who've Who've done films um, that they they got started in you know in interest doing films about death from personal experience, but that was sort of the jump off point. Um, and I've also seen films that are uh, a personal reflection of loss. But to me, what the two of you did is you put them very seamlessly together. Uh, <laughs> That oh, and thank you, and I um, I imagine that could have been a little difficult because, um, for instance, Sarah, at one point, uh, your mother is going to talk to people about how to approach your father's death. That's extremely personal, absolutely. And yet she's sitting um interviewing experts, uh, <laughs> experts in the broadest sense, um people who, who think about those things in general. And I wondered if that was, um, you said you were hesitant to start out, out with, but there were, were there any difficulties going through, especially for her maybe? Well, oddly enough, I think, you
3: know, having a task at hand is um, very helpful and really cathartic. Um, mm-hmm. And so sort of having a job and having a mission, I think was enormously helpful um, not in a distracting way, but in a way that made us kind of focus on what was going on and what was helping us and what might help other people. And so in my mother sort of speaking to these these people, some of whom were friends, Chodo and Koshin are, are close friends of ours, uh, her speaking to them and going to conferences and interviewing people, I think really helped her through the process. Um, and, you know, as we all know, nothing feels as good as helping somebody else out when you're feeling pretty bad. Um, and so the whole thing became this very cathartic exercise. And in fact, doing this whole series has become a cathartic exercise um, for her and for me um, and for Bobby, too, I think. I'm speaking for you, Bobby. I'm sure <laughs> you can speak to this as well. But this is what we've discussed and we feel this way.
1: Yeah, let's get it. Let's get you into it a little, Bobby, because um, it sounds as if it was kind of your impulse to pick up the camera, and uh, you um, got everybody on board with that. Was it? Was it um, hard to encourage them? Did you have any concerns about inviting them into this, uh, you know, realm? Or is it so everyday for all of you that it was just natural? Um,
2: the reality, what what you touched on, th- that one scene with Carol, um, um, that that if, that was the, the entire, really the birth of the film was, was that um, situation because right like that that was a weekend at, at a place called Garrison, New York, where our Buddhist monk friends Chodo and Koshin they have these sort of contemplative care weekends, and they they they, um, they had one in November. So not long before this particular event, I was on a paying job somewhere in California and someone across the table um, asked me what else I was working on. And we, had, we hadn't really started working on Mortal yet. I mean, it was just Sarah and I were talking about it. And it was like Sarah mentioned, it was, a, you know, like we do this, you know, we, we talk through our camera, you know, like we've, we, we've just done this for decades and decades. So the idea of like, well, do we do something that's so deeply personal because we're in this space? Like we were, we had done, we had produced a couple of um, projects with people around end of life stuff. So we were beginning to be engaged with the conversation, but not, not so personally with, with Sarah's dad, Skip, and sure. in, in my eyes at that point beginning to die. So when this person said, what is he, what else are you working on? I just said, we're doing this film called Mortal. And I just said it out loud, and and we weren't we weren't really doing it yet. So I came home, and then there was this, you know, and it was a very difficult thing to see this 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 man that we all loved, who had just tremendous quiet dignity. You know, he was just so mm-hmm. accomplished, and he never really bragged about himself. And when he started to decline, it was just, you know, like anyone who loves someone who's beginning to, to decline, it's difficult. So, so the idea of doing this film was kind of awkward, you know, and, and I thought well, if it, if it's meant to be it, it, it'll be how Carol responds to me asking her if she wants to come and meet with these experts and, and she's been involved with our filmmaking thing now for, for, you know, ever since she's known me, which you know, has been a while um, so she agreed to come up and we set up those interviews and she loved, you know, she just loved being in this sort of compassionate, healthy environment where it was okay to talk about the end of life and it was okay to share your feelings. And she's so, you know, smart that intellectually, when she was introduced to like Choto and Koshin, who I, actually she had met them before, but when she was really face to face with them talking about intimate and profound things, she was really energized by it.
1: And mm. then we had an
2: opportunity to interview Diane Meyer, who is, you know, just this brilliant, you know, um, yeah, she's been on
1: the show. She is brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> right. She's so, been on this show.
2: So, yeah. Right. So Carol, who's tremendously respectful, was just, she felt like it was a joy just to interview Diane Meyer and Dr. Iyer Bayok. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and, and uh, BJ Miller, who is a triple amputee. And this guy is just brilliant. And when you meet, when she first met him, um, she had not even noticed that he was missing an arm and both of his legs <laughs> because <laughs> he's so charismatic and he's so present that he, she just made eye contact with him and he just engaged her. And, and then after that first encounter, I said, well, and somehow it came up. And I said, it's hard to believe that guy is so. Happy and mentally present and 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 inspiring, and yet here he is, minus three limbs. And she goes, "What?" <laughs> <So> <laughs> she, you know. So at, so, really, the success of, or the creation of the film was right there because I saw Sarah and I saw firsthand that yes, talking about this stuff has good purpose and has good meaning, and it actually, since that point, I, I really can honestly say that it has helped Carol through the loss of her husband. Um, and that, that means the world to, 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 to me, you know, it's like, mm. um, it's just, these, these are two people who really have adopted me as their son. And it's like, you know, this film is now a legacy of, 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 of Sarah's dad. And Sarah's mom still is, you know, it, we, we talk about skip almost every day. And recently, you know, uh, on June 2nd, which was my birthday, um, there was this um, a screening event at New York University that I wasn't was not even at because I was traveling, and we had a panel discussion that was facilitated by someone, and one of the four panelists was Sarah's mom. So she mm. she is still engaged in talking about the importance about talking about the end of life stuff. You know, a year and you know, year and a half after actually losing the love of her life, so. We know that there's good purpose in watching and making these kind of films. There's no question that can help people heal and move through stuff so they don't get stuck in it and and just compromise whatever life they have left.
1: and you're exemplifying are. that um th- and the other thing I notice in what you're saying, and we'll get started on this, but we may have to come back to it after the break, is that the way the film generated. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've had moments of inspiration before, uh, but, but um, I recognize that a lot of people I interview have them more or differently uh, after they've sort of had a big loss experience. It, it kind of came to you as opposed to right. you thought through, what should we make a film about next? Is that familiar what I'm saying? That you were sitting there talking, and all of a sudden you said, the next film is mortal. Uh, Was that characteristic of you before, or was that a surprising experience? And then, Sarah, how did you respond to that, too?
2: (laughs) Well, this is a very distinct... I've never had on such a spiritual, profound level um, um, something like that. Actually, there was a film called Seed that we did... um, which I guess was similar for me, but that was more um, of sort of having an, an existential personal midlife crisis in my early thirties. But um, that was more of which, harsh... which has
1: something to do with facing death, also perhaps. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it was... <laughs> <An> existential crisis.
2: <laughs> well, it was basically that. It was me being because we had just had had a, you know well we the film was percolating in my head the, right after the birth of our first child, and, and it's just just this responsibility of bringing a life into a planet, and, and my background isn't like, you know, like all kind of rosy, and I know lots of people from, you know, from a young age on that were either killed or died, and then I was in New York City during the age, when AIDS really kind of was like a plague, really, um, and then I had a couple other friends who, who, you know, one friend in particular was killed in a car accident, so You know, I just I hit a wall, and I and it was sort of like a. Seed is about death, you know, but it's sort of and sort of an abstract conversation about it, which started out as a very angry conversation, but in the course of making the film, it just became more peaceful. But I think Mortal was really profoundly personal, and um, you know, and I I can't speak for Sarah, but I, I still think that for us, it feels kind of sacred because her, her dad is it's like you know he's
1: partner. kind of like to us he's the film uh, absolutely and sarah so then uh bobby comes home and says we're gonna make this film called mortal what do you think um we're we're gonna go to a break but when we get back i'd love to hear you said you hesitated to do it um but that must have been an impactful moment um Personally and professionally. So let's talk about that when we get back. Okay. Um, Great. Uh, listeners, you can go find my website and social media at the Good Grief page at Voice America for all of uh, Facebook, Twitter, etc. You can find Bobby and Sarah Sheehan by going to working-pictures.com or you can search the keyword hope at the Indiegogo website. We're going to talk about hope in the next In the next segment, uh, it's the latest film in this series, and there's an Indiegogo campaign right now to support it. Be back soon.
4: Your
3: life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health &
4: Wellness. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
3: We're on the cutting edge of social media.
0: Can you keep up? We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones.
1: This is Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Sarah and Bobby Sheehan, filmmakers who have been making a series of films about uh, death, grief, how to live better uh, with the fact that they exist, Um, and that was generated out of the personal loss of Sarah's father. And Sarah, before the break, I was talking with Bobby about how this first got started, this idea of making Mortal and of course eventually making an entire series of films um, so he comes back from being away and broaches the subject with you How, what was that like for you because um, I lost a parent not that long ago, it's such a can be such an internal time in some ways um, it, 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 Yeah, you know, it's, it's very personal
3: Um you know, fortunately, we're we're a little bit more collaborative than um, than the way that story unfolded on something we
1: I figured because you work together, you'd have to be. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, I don't know if that would work otherwise. But um,
1: you know, it's something we'd been discussing.
3: It was something we'd be discussing, and I think Bobby's certitude that this was something that we needed to do. I mean, it really, honestly, it it. It felt like it was some sort of a divine calling, for for lack of a better word. It just, we felt like the project kind of found us um, and said, you need to do this. And based on the responses we've gotten from people, I'm really grateful that we have. I mean, we've, we've, the film's been seen by people literally all over the world. And people have, you know, sent emails that are very moving and very personal. And my feeling is, wow, if we had managed to touch just one of those people then we had done our work um, but we we really seem to be touching a lot of people um, and we're getting the responses that we really wanted to get which was it's a tough subject but I you know after the film I felt actually uplifted um, and present and free and I'm going to call my sister I'm going to call my parent and that feels just amazingly great um, so even though I kind of had to get out of my own comfort zone and get out of my own way, I'm really glad I did.
1: And, and you're also, Sarah, in the middle of, of several other films. So somehow in that process, uh, you realized one was not the end of it. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that and about the other films that you are working on? Yes, we um,
3: we realized in doing mortal that you know this subject is so incredibly broad, and in order to sort of address it in the way that we would like to, which is you know to profile all these different stories and the way different people are going through this this, this journey of life and death, um, we would need to go into greater depth per subject. It's so rich. Um, and so we have a bunch of things that we're kind of in various stages of production on. Uh, one is called Hope, um, which is about people sort of um, dealing with grief and moving moving through grief. I mean, you, you never really leave grief behind, uh, but moving through grief and, and finding the joy in their lives again. Um, we're doing another one called Presence, which is going to be about consciousness and afterlife and... Um, all that sort of thing that we can't define. And we're doing another one called CORE, which deals with um, veterans and um, organizations that are reaching out to veterans to help them reacclimate and, and have some sort of really positive experiences. And so really, you know, kind of the brand that we want to, the messaging that we want to have for all of these films is, is basically positive things. You know, we don't want to just tell sad stories, You know, there are a lot of documentaries out there that do a great job of telling sad stories, but that doesn't really leave you with anything other than feeling bad. We wanted to be able to have inspirational stories, you know, woven into the narrative and, you know, maybe even tools written into the narrative so that people could come away with something constructive.
1: You know, that really captures me because, um, for instance, I was at my... My brother had a birthday party the other day and people were talking about a friend of theirs who had lost her parents early and she had been saying, I'm the luckiest person alive and nobody could really relate. Like, how could she be saying that? But um, what I was thinking is people who have really faced death or other big loss are some of the happiest people I know. Uh, that somehow there's also a freedom in that 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 people who haven't experienced it aren't always aware of, you know. Kind of the worst has happened. I don't know. I've thought about it a lot, but do you have any thoughts about that? I, um, you know, it's 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 funny you should mention that. I
3: mean, we Bobby and I were having a conversation about that today. It just. You know, sometimes your anticipation of the worst thing in the world is worse than the worst thing in the world.
1: <laughs> For sure. <laughs> you know, we spend so a lot of time... So that resonates with you, huh? <laughs> <laughs> But
3: Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, we, we all spend a lot of time worrying, oh my goodness, this is going to happen. It's going to be so awful. You know, and it happens and it's awful. But I think what surprises us all and the thing that we never count on when we're anticipating these horrible things is our resiliency and, you know the human spirit and our ability to face difficult things and surprise ourselves at how strong we can be. And um, there's a certain joy in that, saying, wow, I did that, and I'm okay. Um, I faced that, and I'm okay. Um, So I I see your point about what you're saying, where there's there's a certain freedom involved
1: and maybe, at least for me, I'll just speak for myself, uh, when my during the process of my wife's illness and death, I kind of learned a lot more about what I was made of. Yes. Uh, w- what I particularly could bring to that experience to make it a positive thing for me. And I'm not sure that I was quite clear on that <laughs> before right. Before. And so that was, of course, very liberating to just know know what I could bring to the table, maybe. Right.
3: And and it, you know, you realize that you know, in going through this journey called life, you know, we may actually have picked up a thing or two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Especially if we get some time before. I. I uh, it's sometimes hard if you lose people very very young. It takes yes. some time to. Um, kind of get through that, but I think that's a, a little bit, uh, uh, not about resiliency, but about how do people around you handle it? Maybe. Right. So yeah, I absolutely. have a question. I have a question, uh, for you, Bobby, because now the two of you are doing, uh, this whole series of films, all are encountering, um, subjects of death, grief, afterlife. Uh, it's true what we've just been saying about positive um, aspect of that. It's right. so true that you can end up with qualitative, of, of I guess compassion fatigue, grief exhaustion, uh, whatever it is. and i I was thinking about the two of you working together intensely all the time with that in the background does that how does that affect things? in your life in general?
2: Um, we, it just, it actually feels, feels great. (laughs) I mean, the thing (laughs) that's, that's, that's interesting. Um, good answer. I mean, like a couple weekends ago, we went to, um, a conference for the compassionate friends, which is a grief organization for parents who have lost their children. Um, you know, there's like 1,500 people there, and, and and you know, we, we were meeting people, doing some interviews, and someone sits down, and, and he or she are completely happy, you know, they're in the moment, they're, you know, they're excited about being in front of the camera and all this stuff, and and then all of a sudden, they start t- telling the, the details as to why they're there, you know, how they lost their, their son or their daughter, and it's just, and then you're reminded, oh my God. You know, that is like, how does someone survive that, you know? And, and when they give the specific details, they're emotionally, you know, like the, the, that, that rawness and that honesty comes up because it's still, it will always be there. You know, you lose, you know, we haven't lost a child so we can't really put ourselves in that position. And it's even hard to put that sentence together. But, um, These parents, they, they, you know, they, they have turned the corner and realized that pain will always be there. They will always miss their, their child, but they honor the love of that child by continuing their life and they get to talk about their child. So they still have a relationship with that child. So the child is not forgotten. And then you do this interview and then it's like, Oh my God, that's why we're here because of that pain needs to be talked about. And then when we, when we get, when we're finished with the interview, we say cut, the person is like back in the moment. And they are like, Hey, that was great, blah, 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 because that's called life, you know? Mm
4: -hmm. And,
2: and we're fortunate to be able to meet people who, like Sarah said, that, that we have to be resilient. I mean, if we weren't resilient, we, you know, we make it so difficult for ourselves to be alive on this planet. I mean, so difficult. All you got to do is put the news on, um,
1: especially what, lately <laughs> uh, yeah yeah,
2: so but despite what we do to ourselves and what life does to us, somehow we wake up every day and we love we love the people we love, and we hope that we can you know you know just have the best life when you're present for it when you when you just are afraid of those painful things. You just set yourself up for, you know, a sucker punch. And then when it happens, like, oh, why'd that happen? How'd that happen to me? Or why did did my parent die? It's like, well, you know, it's all part of this equation. If you waste so much time avoiding or fearing, you know, some of the inevitable things or when you do get struck by something that's difficult, it's like it can keep you down forever or you could eventually get back up in your own timeline and and try to, you know, move forward. So anyway, so when we go to a conference where there are all these grieving parents and they're just, they are living because they, they are living their best lives because they love the, ch- the children that they've lost so much. And they're not afraid to tell each other that. They're not afraid to tell their their, their other children that they have. And there's something really so human about that, that it's like for us, it's a gift. I mean, it doesn't. If anything, mm-hmm. it just makes us stronger, you know. And and because it just, you know, so it's actually great, <laughs> and that's why we want to keep doing it, you know. Which like uh-huh. said earlier, it's
1: become compelling. It's not, well, of it, course it's, I it's, can. Of course I can yeah. relate to that because I do this every week. Um, my wife doesn't, however, and maybe that's good because you know we'll go out to dinner. And, Say okay, you get five minutes to talk about you know death, and then <laughs> let's eat sushi <laughs> or whatever it is. Um, but it sounds that really, um, keeps you inspired uh, hearing people's stories. And I, I was I was uh, especially delighted by the fact that you that you named you titled your movie that is more centrally about grief hope because right. that is that that is thing that is really uh lost on people that there can be so much hope in grief yes and that that's right. a big part of it uh was, was that also sort of a an inspirational moment let's call this ho- film hope or did that kind of weave out of of what people were to you about
2: well, I think we came to, to the title after having some, some, some discussions about how do we talk about, you know, the, the specific topic of grief and mourning, but from a positive point of view. So we came to hope. And, and I think it's what, again, I'm just going to reference the Compassionate Friends Conference only because um, we were just there recently. And it's what, it's what keeps people moving forward. You know, it's sort of like, you know, yes, I'm like, I, I, I'm, I'm in sorrow now, but if I could just hold on, if something I can hold on to something, maybe tomorrow will be better. And that thing to hold on to for a lot of people that, you know, again, it's not just what we think it's people that we've been interviewing is this concept of hope. And and there's another organization called open to hope that we're getting close with these, um, the founders, Gloria, and Heidi Horsley, who, um, I mean, these are these are two of the finest people you can ever meet on the planet, you know. And and Gloria <clears throat> lost her son Scott, and and Heidi was her brother when he, when he was seventeen, and, and in a car accident. And these two wonderful human beings eventually decided that they were gonna deal with learn how to deal with grief. And they both went to, to as a result, basically of Scott's death, it, it sort of put them on a path to become psychologists. So now they're doctors and they help people and they open an organization called Open to Hope. And they have this great simple slogan that they say and they they mean from the bottom of their heart. When they when they say to people who've just lost you know, someone close to them, they say if you don't have hope, you can lean on ours. Like, that's their model. Mm. And it's just like, yes. how lucky are Sarah and I, even just to meet the Horsley's? I mean, seriously. It's like, because they don't, it, to them, it's not a slogan. It's it's like, it, it. I mean, even though it is, it's a nice one. It really is their profound truth. They're not afraid to absorb other people's pain and, and share it with them because they, they've been there and they want to share their hope and say, look, we felt this We felt, you know, the circumstances might be different, but we were right here with where you are now, and 17 years later, we're here. We're here to help you, and we can tell you, we can promise you that if you have hope, it will get better. You will smile again. You will laugh right. again. Um, and and that's like, how lucky are we to meet people like that? The problem for us is that it is hard to... Um, Make these films because until you engage people, and they know that they can actually, this is something that that they're not. It's something that it's more in it from them for for them if they watch these films and they have these conversations than um, anything else they can do for themselves. And just the, a lot of people are just afraid to engage. You know, it's sort of getting people to sit down and not being afraid to watch a film called Immortal or watch a film called Hope. Um, is tricky business, we're finding out. I and mean, like that. You mentioned the Our Indiegogo campaign. It's like, you know, it, it's like, it, it's, 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 it's not successful, you know, and, and we can't get our heads around it. We've been involved with successful campaigns that are in the healthcare space and it's just you know i mean we're still going to make this film i mean if we have to go out and rob a 711 we're going to finish what we started but Shh, we're, don't we're not really rob <laughs> I,
3: I just want to put that out there but i i um i, I think i think what poppy is saying is that we feel that we have done
2: that possibility we have done that for mortals remember <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: what <laughs> well i i i want to talk about that when we come back from our second break um you know, there's uh, there's the kind of thing where you attract people who agree with you, and there's the kind of thing where you're trying to change people's minds who who haven't been exposed. And I find I've I've had an easier time, um, you know, people who basically have thought about these things. Some are more likely to listen to my show, maybe watch your films, but connecting with them. Yeah. Can be, can be hard. So let's talk about the campaign itself. Um, let's start with you, Sarah, when we come back and just talk about uh, what people can do to support uh, this work, because I just think it's so vital. And they're so beautifully, the films are so beautifully made. I just want to say that as well, um, that the quality is just so deep and beautiful. And and physically beautiful, you know, to the oh. eye and to the ear. So let's talk about that when we get back. And listeners, you can, of course, find find me at uh, Voice America, the Good Grief page. And you can find um, Bobby and Sarah Sheehan and their films at uh, either their website, which is work, working-pictures.com, or by going to the Indiegogo campaign and searching Hope. Back after the break.
4: Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness.
0: You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones.
1: Hello, this is Cheryl Jones. Welcome back to Good Grief. I've been talking with Bobby and Sarah Sheehan, who have are making a series of films about end-of-life, afterlife, grief. And uh, before the break, we were talking about... Uh, trying to get the funds to make their most recent film called Hope, which is about grief. And uh, Sarah, I know that the two of you made a decision not to kind of go for traditional funding where you would, I guess, have to know exactly what you were gonna film and um, have a very detailed plan and get input. You decided to go more independent with these films. Um, I'm imagining there's compelling reasons for that. Could you talk about that? Well, we, you know, first of all, we've been in the production business for decades, literally decades.
3: And and we like to think that in that time we've picked up, you know, some experience. Um, And we've also picked up some equipment and some wonderful um, people with whom we collaborate and work with us. And we just realized that we'd be a lot more facile um, doing this film independently on our own. Um, so that we would be able to go where the story took us. Um, again, you know, we have our own gear. It's me and Bobby. You know, we, we're, we've been working together for so long that we have a production shorthand. Um, we just move very quickly. We, we sort of have a, a rhythm. And um, it, by working in the way that we work, we're able to get these very nice production values for not... Lot of money. And so we also didn't want the messaging to be encumbered by anybody's agenda. Um, Mm. You know, some of these stories are so personal, and people are entrusting us with, you know, the legacy of their children, their parents, you know, the things that they love most in the world that we really wanted to be able to have as free a hand as possible. Um, So that was why we made that decision. It certainly would have been a lot easier to get some sort of, you know, investment. And, and we're still open to that. Um, but, you know, we also, because we were kind of riding on the momentum of mortal um, and we were meeting these people, we just wanted to pick up and keep going and to have to stop and worry about, you know, structuring something just, I don't know, just didn't feel right. This felt more organic.
1: That's just the word that was in my head as the word organic that and I I have a an unproven uh, unscientific idea that these subjects really invite that more organic way of coming at them that it's it's very hard to be linear when you're talking about these subjects there's there's more of a flow quality Um, of course also you have a lot of experience and so you'd probably trust your flow more uh, than maybe at the beginning.
3: Yes, and and, you know, and as we had mentioned with Mortal and and as we're finding with a lot of the the other films that we're doing, we kind of feel like the films have chosen us. Uh, The subject Mm. has kind of chosen us, and that's part of the flow and the sort of organic nature of the the stuff that we're addressing. It just sort of feels like it's um, bigger than us. Um, it, It just feels like a calling. We, we sort of feel like it's our calling, um, and so to be able to translate that all this experience that we have and, and direct it towards something that we feel is incredibly worthwhile and meaningful um, really means a lot
1: it, you know in that regard um, you've you've done quite a bit of work with um, the war experience veterans, uh, which I found very moving because. That's a place in our culture where people are facing up to death, not because someone in their life dies, but because they're at risk uh, by going to war. And I'm I'm very, very captivated by what then happens uh, when they return. I had a, maybe my most important teacher in my life, he's been dead several years now, but he had been at D-Day and it had been a real... Um, turning point in his life, where I'm he sure. kind of faced up to the possibility of his life ending, and it really fueled the rest of his life. He was a it w- he was an amazing healer, um, and so I was very captured to see all of those films, and they seem so much a part of the rest of the things you're talking about. Can you talk a little bit about about those uh, that <coughs> subject and and how that's um, called what? you? Yeah. Well, again,
3: you know, the genesis. It just seems like a lot of this started with my father, and my father was in the Korean War, and had we don't really know what happened. We we are pretty sure he was taken prisoner, and that's about all we know. And it's and ex- something happened. It's an experience that haunted him the rest of his life. In such, he was so um, he was so protective of this uh, this sort of experience. Um, that he never talked about it to anyone, including my mother with whom he was really close. Mm -hmm. Um, And if this sensitive, kind soul, you know, was so deeply traumatized, you know, and there are so many other people who are going through that, it, it just it was just another part of, you know, what we do to ourselves through through this lifetime that we felt needed to be addressed. And you're right. You know, you go out there and you're facing your own imminent mortality, you know, at any second. And then what do we do for these, these wonderful people who come home, who've done so much for us? Can we ever do enough for them? Um, and we're finding people who feel as passionately about this as, as we do. And um, for our film core, that's something that we want to, um, you know, really go into depth and, and really address. Because, you know, our veterans, our soldiers, they, they deserve that. They, they deserve that of us individually, collectively, and as a nation. And I know, Bobby, this is one of your favorite um, subjects to talk about
1: and and let me throw in here and then I'd love to hear what you have to say Bobby, but I'm so aware as a mental health uh, I'm a counselor, I'm a grief counselor uh, the tremendous weight that soldiers come back to that lead to uh, a, an extremely extremely high rate of suicide and depression and... Uh, abuse, you know, all different kinds of problems that come from not having any way to integrate those experiences by talking about them. Uh, right, you know, exactly. I do believe talking about those griefs and losses has an impact. It sounds like you agree. You're, yeah, absolutely. And and
3: what we're trying to focus on is, again, you know, not, not these sort of horrific war stories and, and what happens to these poor guys when they get home, what we're trying to focus on is look at all the things that are available to you, look at the people who appreciate you and see what they're doing, and, you know, all of this is available to you, too. But I think, Bobby, I know that's something you want to go into in greater yeah,
1: detail. Yeah, love to hear from you, Bobby, about that.
2: Um, well, there, there's a, you know, for CORE, we have a, our protagonist is going to be this guy named Rudy Reyes, who we I met Like six or seven years ago. And he's just, um, he's a, he's a complex creature. I mean, he's, you know, he's, um, um, you know, he's, he's sort of a modern day Spartan, you know, like that movie 300, um, the (laughs) cartoon version of these guys killing each other. Rudy Mm. is actually the real life version of that. And with that, you know, with that ideal, um, sort of male aggressive, um, figure comes just a tremendous amount of pain and guilt and shame and, and anger and all the stuff that really we train these guys to go and, and become killers, you know, sir, so, you know, it's just plain and simple. They get trained to do that, to protect us. So they have all of this training and Rudy is like a machine. I mean, he is like a, a former recon, you know, Sergeant, um, He's literally like Superman, <laughs> this guy. And, <laughs> and and our tax dollars, and Jose, he, he's, he's an expensive weapon that we paid for. So we mm-hmm. send these people over there, and most, not most, but the ones who come back who are broken, they're just left on the side of the road. So there's no, like, reverse boot camp. It's like, so, and a lot of these um, films that I've seen, there there's just so many of them now, not so many, but... There are enough of them where it's like, it's like almost like vet porn. You know, it's like, let's find the veteran or veterans who come back who are completely broken and they're on all these psychotropic drugs, which are making it worse and they're, they're missing limbs and they're committing suicide. The problem with those films after getting to become really good friends with Rudy is that the vets don't get anything out of that other than right. going to see what they already know. They don't need to see that. You know, the rest of us think, oh, well, You know, look what we're doing. is so wrong. And then maybe somehow we convince ourselves, oh, well, we think it's wrong. So, okay, I've just cleansed myself of really paying any more attention to it. It's like, no, that doesn't help Rudy Reyes and his guys. You know, these guys, you know, they just want some some kind of future. They want to have a life that it's it's difficult for them to find a new life here when – you know, the, the VA doesn't even cover their dental program, you know, so Absolutely. what we want to do is to show stories of people that are actually doing positive things for veterans, that are helping them deal with the realities of, of post-traumatic stress, and, 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 you know, from large organizations like TAPS, which is an incredible organization that Bonnie Carroll founded, which is, you know, been around for a while, very successful, helps, you know, families um, who have lost, You know, uh, fathers or husbands or, or mothers or wives from, from, from battle. And then there's, there's like this guy that we found who's in Plano, Texas. He's a dentist and he offers up free dental services because he, he heard that veterans can't get their, you know, their, you know, if you have a root canal, whether you're a a war hero or just someone who has like, you know, just a, a normal guy going about his, his life, it's like if you have a root canal and you can't afford to have your tith- your tooth fixed, you're not a happy person. So it just seems profoundly <laughs> unfair that just some of the basic things in life we can't help our veterans with. It just seems so wrong. And that's what war wants to be.
1: Sure. And not to mention any calamitous experience has the possibility of undoing us or growing us. Yeah. And right. uh, I'm hearing... Uh some, some people with the view let's grow, you know, let's let's support that, but it's it's few and far between. So I appreciate that you're gonna feature that aspect of it, that actually there are ways, as we know, to come out of very difficult experience grown. in some aspect that's that's what our hour today is about that's about what your film hope is about um so to me it's very compatible and i appreciate you us having the time to talk a little bit about that before we go today i can't wait to see both of them both both hope and core because i just think they're such important um messages to get out there right oh well thank you
2: Oh, of well, course. <laughs> before we go, I would like to put in a plug for the, our, our like, very hungry Indiegogo campaign for Hope. I mean, Absolutely.
1: We, 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 yes. We I've mentioned it a few times, but... Yeah,
2: <laughs> I, but it, it's coming to an end, I think, tomorrow. So we were going to extend it, but I don't even know if we're going to. So whoever is listening, you know, if they want to go to Indiegogo.com and, and, and go to Hope, that would be great, you know, because... Um,
1: more and I more hope people, need people to be do. Engaged. I hope people do. This is a radio show. If it weren't, I would have shown some clips because it is really quite beautiful. And of course, right. at the Indiegogo campaign, you can see a piece of it. And so, I, I really want to encourage people to do that. And I want to thank you both for being here today. Uh, it's it's been a wonderful conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Hope we'll keep keep in touch. Um, next week, listeners, I'm going to be talking with Winston Price, who, from very early abusive experience, uh, learned to help others, and now is a physical trainer and inspirational. Um, guide for people, uh, a wonderful man who just happens to be my executive producer. So I'm very happy to finally have him on the show after three years. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation.
0: Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief.